As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Leaf Report Podcast brought to you by the Saki Hall of Fame and Bab Sox. Right? We got to do both, right? Both shout outs. It's the same thing. Right. But like, people need to know about if the Saki Hall of Fame. If you haven't seen Saki Hall of Fame yet, uh, we did a story about it at The Athletic last week. It's really cool. It's like all of the biggest legends in NHL history have a sock now. They gave me at our show, they gave me a pair of the Mario Lemieux ones, and it's like, I'm going to be buried in the, the Mario Lemieux socks. Yeah, so you mentioned it at the, we actually had both guys, uh, Tom and Jake, at the event, the live event. Thank you everyone who came out to the live event at the Rivoli. Uh, but you had asked me about my favorite sock, and I hadn't seen everyone since. I hadn't read your story yet. Um, but there's some really cool ones. I think I'm going to get my brother a pair for his birthday coming up anyway training camp we haven't done a podcast since the live event which was on the first day of camp when nothing really happens um we're like a week or so and a bit into camp what's like the number one most interesting thing you've come across so far in, in camp i guess what we're looking at is like the new line combinations and you can see the players trying to get comfortable with each other like you've got these really super skilled players coming together for the first time and you can see them in camp you've watched more of the on ice than i have but what i've noticed is that like marlo and matthews after the skate yesterday were on the ice together for quite a long time just working on like tendencies and Mm -hmm. um there was they made a at one point they made a play where i think it was matthews out from behind the net right out to Marlo and Marlo like one timed it in and it was like a really pretty bang bang play and Jim Hiller the assistant coach was on the ice and he went like woo like kind of like wow like that was that was amazing that's what they're trying to get like they're trying to get that with Tavares and Marner and they're trying to get that with um Matthews and and Marlo 
um, the other lines to a lesser extent. But that's what I've noticed is like kind of like the high-powered offensive guys are trying to like click together and make something happen. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting seeing like the best players in the world, and we can stand like right at the glass and watch what they're doing, seeing the best players in the world trying to like fit the pieces together and figure out mm-hmm. each other's tendencies in like a short time frame. Well, you could actually see some of that, like you saw it in the preseason game they played in Ottawa, where the play that Marner makes for Matthews to score the goal, the first thought I had in watching that was like, that's not a play that Zach Hyman can make. And that's like that's like little differences like that of Marlowe playing with Matthews. You wonder how many opportunities like it creates. Like we were thinking like playing with a, a, a shooter like Marlowe will open up opportunities for Matthews to get up assists. But, like, I hadn't thought about, conversely, like, what kind of opportunities Marlowe is going to create for Matthews. Like, that that play, that pass, that's, that's skill. Like, that's a degree of skill that Zach Hyman just doesn't have. And, like, conversely, like, Zach Hyman playing with Mar- Marner and Tavares, he can do things that maybe fit better with Tavares than with Matthews. Like, it might be beneficial overall it will be beneficial or Marner played with Kadri last year and the partnership yeah. went really well and Kadri's a skilled player but Tavares is like one of the best whatever mm-hmm. I mean no one's going to dispute that Tavares is better than Kadri and has like a skill set that's Tavares is interesting I mean he's the knock on him has always been his skating I remember writing about him his very first rookie season in the NHL it was one of my early years he came in in 09 right it was one of my early years covering the NHL and doing a feature and hit and just how slow he looked that first rookie season. And he's, his skating has gotten better. But when you see him up close, it, he's not on the level of, like, the big guys. No. Like, he's not... He's, like, a very average skater. But it doesn't matter because around the net... It's so funny you did the big feature about uh, Tavares and, and his uncle and whatever. It's like John Tavares kind of is, like, a lacrosse player a little bit yeah. where he's, like, so good around the net. His hands are ridiculously good. Like, his skill set is... Um, so I think you put that with Marner, and Marner's going to be creating a whole bunch of open space and skating really fast, and, mm-hmm. and then you've got Hyman like retrieving pucks. Um, I think it makes more sense. the The longer I've seen it, and the more I've thought about it, it makes a lot of sense to have Hyman with Tavares and Marner more than with Matthews. Well, because Marner is or Tavares, I think it's actually Tavares, by the way. Okay. Um, but like he's more of a grinder, like. Yes. He's got that infamous play. I can't remember who it was against, where he's dragging the puck up the boards. Was it against Logan Couture? Anyway. No, no, no. It was uh, against Sean Couturier. With the oh, right. Sean Couturier. Yeah. But, like, that's the kind of player he is. Like, he's he's more power. And, like, Matthews is, like, he's just flying up and down the ice, and he's skill. And, like, we haven't gotten to see Nylander, obviously, with, with Matthews and Marlowe, but you can imagine that line being even more difficult to play against than it was before. And, like, you wrote about it during the season last year. Like, they were one of the best combos in the league last year. Did you notice when I asked Matthews about what would be... I don't know if you were in that scrum or... I put it in the story. I asked Matthews, what's different about playing with Marlowe as opposed to Hyman? And he said it a lot. They're completely... Basically, they're completely different. But what he said is that it opens up a lot more space. Because mm-hmm. I think... If you think about how Hyman plays, it's in a straight line, it's down behind the net, it's like grinding around the net. And you're right, like what Hyman does, the havoc he creates and the, like the puck he creates like down, really down low, mm-hmm. it makes more sense for that to work with Tavares? Tavares? Tavares, Tavares. okay. Um, it makes more sense to put that with Tavares because if he gets the puck below the hash yes. marks, 
it's probably going to go in or it's going to be a great chance. Like, he's just so skilled. And it's not that Matthews isn't skilled in those tight areas. It's that Matthews can do tons of damage from further out. Yeah. Probably more than Tavares. And at high speeds. And, like, the other thing about it is, like, you mentioned um, that with Marlowe, he's getting more space. Just think about it if you're defending that line. If you're defending the line and, and Hyman's on it, you're not worried about him as a, a shooting threat. Marlowe, you're is one of the best goal scorers in the history of the league. He's 39, but, like, he scored 27 back-to-back years. Like, he is still a threat. And then you think of Neon there, like, on the other side, and it's like you've got all these threats that you kind of want to worry about. They're going to be all over the place. Like, more than the... Like, I think the Hyman-Matthews-Neilander line made sense with what they had before. Mm -hmm. Like, there was... There wasn't a better... There wasn't a a much better fit. Like, I know there was a lot of consternation. No. You don't want Komarov there, Komarov. You don't want Matt Martin there. You look at who they had on left wing before. Um, but, I mean, they could have put Marlowe there last year, I guess. Is like, yep. Yeah. But, I mean, that's probably going to be more of a... It's really interesting. It's really interesting, like, the the way that they're trying to put the pieces together and, and, and take it to the next level. And um, So I agree with what they're doing on the top two lines, 100%. I have some concerns with what's happening on the third and the fourth line. Well, I think you have to take those third and fourth lines right now with a grain of salt because I think there is some... Those are going to be the lines. Right. They're not going to be... Andreas Janssen is going to be playing with Kadri. That is going to happen. I think what's happening there is just a little... You're a rookie. You're on the fourth line. We're going to build you in. I think the fourth line will be Ennis, Lindholm, Kapanen. And I think... I'm going to be obsessed and I think this will be like the first game story I write about how teams choose to match with them. I'm fascinated to see what... How do you do it? Like, how do you decide what you're going to do with your pairs and your lines? I mean, the other teams aren't going to have last change in the first game, right? So they they can't match. Like, they're just going to get... But you're able to... Like, what teams can do, at least on the road, is you can get the D you want on against whoever. How the, How do you choose? Like, how do you... Just seeing what we've seen so far, and it's really early, and, like, I'm not... You shouldn't take what you see in a preseason game in Lucan too seriously. But, like, you can tell, like you said, they're really skilled players. They're the, some of the best players in the world. It's going to work. I don't know what you do. Like, you're going to get burned somewhere. I think what you do is make sure your third pair is not against the Tavares line or the Matthews line. I think that's all you do. And you can. Like, there's going to be situations where you just don't have a choice, I guess. Right. Although I guess you like if it's a D zone draw, you can put out one of your top two pairs and hope you're okay. I think that's what you'll see, and maybe those teams will just not play their third pair very much at all, and they're like fourth line very much. Hmm. So I, I like what you said about the Kadri line, how that's like not the real line. It's not like like okay, so Babcock has already con- that's Jonas's beer can making noise. Um, it's a Rattler. Well, close enough. Um, so if Jonas sounds tanked at the end of this pod, <laughs> this podcast, it's because he's had a, a tall can Rattler over the course of it. Um, okay, so you know, Babcock has said that the Kadri lines has shut down line. Mm-hmm. He's confirmed that when they ha- when they're at home, he they're easy to get the tough matchups. They're not going to have Josh Levo on the left wing of the tough matchup line. Brown, yes, but that left wing is going to be someone else. It's going to be Andreas Johnson. That just that makes the most sense, right? He's better than everybody else. In the conversation. Right. Like, it's not even close. Right. I just think they're probably just sending him an early message. Just like Travis Dermott. Like, you've heard those but, comments. Like, 
Andreas Janssen does not need a yeah, message. Like, that's the thing that's funny about it. Like, he's the last guy who you need to worry about getting... To, if you talk to that guy, like, he's got, like, an internal engine that will never turn off. Like, he's... I, that guy's personality is fantastic. Like, he should... I, hopefully he becomes a fan favorite because he's just, like... He's just, like, got a big smile on his face every day. And he just, like... I know that Bourne, who worked with him with the Marlies, just, like, loves that guy. He loves him. Like, that's his favorite guy, like... And Bourne's been in hockey since he was in diapers because his dad obviously played, like... He just the way he talks about Andreas Janssen is uh, like he's a family member or something. Yeah. I think he's gonna join the the coaches club. I gotta come up with a name for it, but he's gonna be the guy that Babcock mentions now with Brown and Hyman. Like he's gonna he's gonna mention him as like that worker crew. That, Marlo's in there, Marlo. Yeah, but right now it's like there's an exclusive Brown Hyman club. Like like Chris uh, after the game and Lucan asked. Babcock about Tavares and Marner obviously being the center draw and you heard Babcock's response like don't forget about the third guy in that line Hyman I think like he's gonna love Janssen in the same way just because of what you said he his personality is exactly like we talk about like what, what Levo isn't to Babcock in some ways with personality Janssen is everything he loves you're reminding me of a funny conversation you and I were having during that first game in Lucan, where we were, you were like, "I wonder what I should write about," <laughs> and I'm like, "Come on, like, Tavares, you you wanted to write about Emerson Clark," and I was like, "I had to look him up." I was like, "Who the who the fuck is that?" Well, I was curious, like, why he got a game. Yeah, and it turns out think- there's not a crazy story there, but like, I'm, I was curious. I talked to him, and don't you think he was just got a game for like insurance purposes? Like, if like the Ottawa guys did something dumb and like I don't know who what tough guys they had if like Borowicki like went after Marner or something maybe. maybe but like I just know it is not a small thing for any of these guys who aren't guys like in their plans to get a game and like they had just cut a bunch of guys so for him to get a game I just thought was like huh that's weird like it's anyway he played for the uh I can't remember what the town... He played for the Swamp Rabbits, I think. Like he, you, plays, he played everywhere in the ECHL. His penalty minutes are crazy. What's interesting about him... He's not that big. He's really small, yeah. but like he's like tough and like physical. Anyway. He's a good skater, too. Like you, he, can, he can skate for... Seems like he's going to play for the Marlies, so... Yeah. Like you were saying today after the skate that the Marlies have an army of like 40 guys that they always... They needed two buses at one point. It's smart. Like the, with three and threes, like... It, it makes yeah. sense to just have a huge team. Well, and you don't care about money. Like, you I, you know what? Like the Marlies must lose tons of money. They must lose. Like, the Leafs don't care, right? And it's not lost because it pays off in the development and whatever. Mm-hmm. One of the things I really like about camp, and I've done a poor job of this this year, I need just because there's, like, a lot of, like, administrative stuff that's happening with the athletic, is that I just like watching, like, all of these guys you don't see that much. Like, yeah. You know, I was talking to Pierre Engvall today about, like, what's it like being on the ice with Matthews and Tavares and, like, all these guys. And, like, like he's coming. He was playing, when they drafted him, he was playing, like, third division in Sweden or whatever. And that's not that long ago. He's 22 years old. Mm-hmm. But it's just interesting to see which players stand out and which ones don't. And the camp is such a fascinating process. Because once we get down, once they make all the cuts by October 2nd, the deadline... We're going to be with this group of, like, 23 players again and again and again with a couple of call-ups and whatever. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think there will be very many call-ups this year unless there's a lot of injuries. Um, this is the only time we get to see everybody all together. Well, and, and it's funny you mention that. Like, I was I wrote a story for The Athletic about Grundstrom. And just 
you and I were actually texting about it, like just the organizational depth beyond the NHL if they had injuries. The first thought you have is like they don't have a ton of guys that you look at and say like that that's the guy who's going to get called up. But maybe Kyle Dubas, who was the Marley's GM, is thinking that Engvall can play sooner or Trevor Moore or or even Grunstrom. Like maybe he just thinks that these guys are like you don't need to sign a bunch of yeah. I don't know. So that's been like your morally like I've been writing about that a few times like they need to bring in like a PTO, they need to like sign like a Nick Shore. And then you watch camp and you see like Ingvall's 65 215 really fast. Yeah. There's no reason why he can't come and play on the fourth line. Like there's literally no reason why. Even though like he's barely played in North America, camp has opened my eyes that I think that they have some more interesting depth pieces than maybe we thought than we gave them credit for yeah Callie Rosen looks really good but again take everything with a grain of salt yeah but yeah well but more importantly Callie Rosen looked really good in the playoffs in the Calder Cup final but so did Engvall so did Engvall and Engvall was playing like an important role he was with Goche and Greening on like a really defensive matchup he kind of line. Sheldon Keefe was at training camp. He's like one of the like, he's a coach like that because they're having tons of skates and whatever and he's on the ice all the time. I saw him after I said, um, I asked him about Engvall and he's like, he was great in the playoffs. Like, that was that was his like takeaway for, about him. Mm-hmm. So, but, I, but I mean like, it's not like they, like you look at Parlin Tom and he looks like, he looks fine. Like maybe he can play. He's skating. But if he can't play, like, he's skating. it's okay. Like, he's not the fastest guy, but, like, you and I discussed this in the summer, and even more recently, it's like, if he can't play, I don't see another good option, but maybe maybe it doesn't matter. Like, maybe it doesn't matter if you play Frederick Goche six minutes a night. I, I, so we were thinking that, like, maybe, like, a Joris or a Cracknell or whatever, like, potentially, but Joris does not impress me. Like, he just does not, his hands are not very good. Cracknell, I was like, well, he's played like over 200 games. And I was looking at his like career stats and like, because I was thinking of doing a story on him. And his career faceoff percentage is 40.4 or something like that. Like, it's like yeah. some number that Babcock will not tolerate. So it's mm-hmm. like, I mean, maybe if someone's hurt or something, but Lindholm's made the team. Like, there's no, there's no other option. But they are still like a little exposed if they have an injury to any of those top three centers, like in a, in a tough way. Okay. Like, it's not that unusual for an NHL team. It's not that unusual for an NHL team to get like 300 or 350 man games lost over the course of a season. If the Leafs are missing three forwards from their top nine, what's going to happen? That that was kind of the, the point that like I was trying to make with Krenstrom. I don't know what happens. but I guess They you, need him to step in and play. Yeah, but I guess you could argue that's most teams, right? Like most teams don't have a ton of depth, but they're just really weak at center. Like they can't afford what happened last year with Matt. Well, I guess... I don't know. It's it's it is interesting. Like the last two years, they've had basically no injuries. Now you could say that's luck. You could say that's their sports science department. You could say it's a combination of both. But like at some point, you figure they're going to have injuries. Jeremy Bettle is a magician. Maybe they have like maybe it's like X Men and they like have <laughs> like it's like Wolverine or something. That, and like someone heals them. Like they just come, yeah. they lie on the table. Someone touches them, and then they're healed. Well, the Leafs do have unlimited resources, so maybe they, <laughs> maybe they found a mutant with healing abilities, and then. Isn't that, like, maybe Dr. X? Is that Dr. X? What's his name? Professor X. Professor X. Sorry, I'm not an X-Men savant like you. <laughs> I know you watch the movies. You were saying... I watched some of the movies. You you said you watched one recently and you liked it or something. I really like Black Panther. Oh, That's Black what Panther. I watched. Okay. Um, 
so then I was giving you some recommendations as like oh here's some like other ones that I because like I'm sad to say I have seen all of them except Ant-Man and the Wasp which I will see soon um I have seen all of them which is kind of pathetic but so I was trying to giving you some more examples of ones you should see and you're like oh I've seen that I've seen that and then you had you've seen almost all of them too so I didn't feel as bad. It's kind of a thing where if my if my girlfriend is not here, I just watch something that I know she's never going to watch. Yeah. And that is something she is never going to watch. Actually, it's funny you mentioned like on a pop culture-y kind of thing. And we're recording this on Friday when SDA is going to make his Leafs preseason debut. I was So I was driving back here, back to my place. And I was listening to In Utero. And I was thinking, man, like... He wasn't even close to being born when, like, Nirvana was a thing. Like, he was born when, like, probably after... When would he be born? What, 2000 and... 2000? Jeez. Like, he is. So, he is born 2000. Like, holy shit. He, he was 17 when camp opened. He turned 18 six days ago. And, yeah. he, and he looks like he's 14. He looks he, like a boy. I, 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 was, I was calling him the Michael Sarah of the Leafs. He looks like a young, young... Michael Sarah like Scott looks Pilgrim. like an old man compared to that. <laughs> <laughs> but like his his like his references would be like like when he's five, like Coldplay is like on their second album, and like what's popular music, and like I don't know, it's well, just I, insane. I find that talking to like our staff at the Athletic, like I talk to like Dom or Wheeler or whatever, and it's like they're fifteen years younger than me, and they're making like Dom talks about like Riverdale, and there's like all these cultural that show sucks. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. So, like, he was talking about it all the time, and it was like a thing on Twitter. It's like, all right, I'll watch a couple of. But I watched like two, and it's like, no, I can't. <laughs> my brain started coming out of my ears. So, but yeah. it, I just feel it's funny being in like your. I'm older than you, but being in your mid 30s and feeling old. But that's like all the cultural references, especially once you have kids, you miss all of that stuff. Yeah, or a lot of it. We are like way off in the weeds on. I don't even know how we started talking S- about. Well, SDA. Anyway, let's not talk about SDA. So SDA's playing in the... I'm excited they're giving him a game. Why do you think they're giving him a game when he's so young and so inexperienced? A, they have a lot of games. B, they took him in the third round. Like, clearly they're intrigued by him. All third-round picks out of their draft don't play in that preseason of their draft year. Yeah, that's true. A lot of them get sent back before now. I don't think it's the worst thing. Do you think in development camp they saw something in him? They're like... Mm, wait a minute like he's listed at 158 pounds and he's not 158 pounds well they said he's 510 and i was like i'm standing next to him he's not 510 yeah i would think i don't know like would you rather he gets a game or rich clune gets a game so like for them there's no it's it's probably good for him to see what the nhl ish is like like it's not the nhl because the buffalo's roster is is not great Surprisingly, I like Babcock had a dig on on the Sabres roster today. Did, did you see what did he say? I didn't catch that part. Um, someone asked uh, Lance asked um, the Sabres are going to be better this year. Are you looking forward to getting a sense of what what they're going to look like and how they're going to be better? And Babs is like, I'm not going to see it tonight or something like that. He's like, we he said we might see it tomorrow. I don't think we're going to see it tonight. Well, Chris and I were driving over to practice this morning, and I was like, so who's playing for Buffalo? He's like, Middlestat, and then he just listed all these guys I've never heard of. I'm like, oh, man. Preseason sucks, which is why we're not going to talk so much about... But, but like, the stuff we're talking about is, like, what I like about preseason. Like, the games aren't great, but, like, there are a lot of things I like about camp and, like... Yeah. You get to see some of these guys, see where they're at, see where they 
are going to go. Kinda. I get to talk to Angval about... Well, I don't want to spoil it, but he gave me some good stuff. Well, so let's... While we're talking about who you've talked to, you talked to Sparks. Um, were you surprised by his honesty? If people haven't read that, go to The Athletic and, and check that out. It? I haven't read it yet. <laughs> I just came home. But what were you surprised? You told me he was very honest. Were you surprised that he was as honest as he was? That's how he comes as advertised, right? And, like, I have a pretty good rapport. He's one of the guys that... But that's who he is, too, is, like... It was good. It was like a very. I like talking to Sparks. I hope that I hope he does well. I think he's uh, he's he's different, and I think that sometimes hockey doesn't like people that are different. So hopefully that doesn't. I think that like Kyle Dubas is one of the people in hockey that's trying to kind of change that, and like mm-hmm. one of the thing with the beards and the hair and all that stuff. He's like I, Kyle Dubas like wants people to be individuals. He like wants them to be themselves because he what he has said is that uh, he feels that's when you get the most out of people is when they can be themselves and whatever and I think Garrett Sparks is a perfect example that if he was in a very very traditional organization I think it would be harder um, yeah but anyway so that interview I mean he's he basically said we talked about if he went on waivers he would get claimed and like just like very open about his situation he's in and he's like you know, I get up every day, like, wanting to be a Leaf, and, like, that's what motivates me every day, is, like, wanting to make this team, and he said, I'll be heartbroken, like, if if, if my opportunity is, like, with another team, as opposed to this one, because this is what he's thought about for, I mean, he was drafted, I think, seven years ago, I mean, it's, he's 25, so it's been a long road for him to hear, and, um, no, you know what, as, as a, Reporter, you just appreciate their honesty. Like I wish everyone was like that. That's one of the things I like like about Babcock, is that he's not playing games. Like sometimes with the coaches, they play games with what the truth is and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. Babcock doesn't do that. So. He doesn't bullshit at all. He's right. just direct. Which is nice. Point. Yeah. Which is nice. But I I I've said this to you. I wonder if it wouldn't be the worst thing for him to play in a different organization. With. You know, Frederick Anderson's pretty entrenched, obviously going to play a lot of games. He's going to be behind a number one anywhere. Yeah, that's true. But, like, maybe it's a number one-ish where the number one is less secure and the coach is different. Like, I'm, I've am i said this before. We talked about it at the live event. Like, I'm curious to see how Babcock can you, does with a personality like that. Can you explain a bit more what he doesn't like about or like what clashes between Babcock and Sparks because I'm not 100% sure on why well no I'm not saying that there is anything that's clashed so far I just have seen Babcock with personalities like that like that are different and like a little bit unique when it comes to being a hockey player and I could see that not meshing like Babcock likes guys who are just like business and hockey robots yeah like he likes like yeah and and that, there's nothing wrong with Garrett Sparks being like a personality and stuff. He likes guys that eat pucks for breakfast. To a to a certain degree. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying it will be a problem, but I could see a situation where his individuality, his personality, won't jive with Mike. Some of the stuff that Sparks said was he doesn't. He says I don't play goalie all summer. He like doesn't. He's not in the net at all, and he doesn't like work out like most goalies. Because I asked him like, do you work out with a bunch of other NHL goalies in the summer? I was just curious like, who who is like uh, peer group is because he's from Chicago, which is kind of like a. There are more players coming from there, but there aren't a lot. It's Car- Illinois. Carrick's from there. Yeah. Um, Illinois has actually been like one of the fastest growing hockey producers in North America. 
Um, part of it's up with the Blackhawks have been so good. Um, but so, so he said he doesn't play goal. He plays left wing. And um, he said he dreams about being like Austin Matthews and that maybe if he accomplishes all his goals as a goalie, he can be a skater. And and, and Mike and I, so I was like, I don't think that's going to happen. And then <laughs> like we had, I don't know, we had kind of a funny exchange about it. But he's that's he's just like a bit different. But I, I appreciate it. Okay, let's talk a little bit about uh, the defense. Um, one of the most apparent things early in camp is that Igor Ozhiganov has a really good chance of actually making the team and maybe even being on that third pair right side to you, start the year. Okay, do you think he has a good chance because of what you've liked, what it, how he's played, or do you just think that just reading the tea leaves of like who he's playing with and what they're saying? Because like, I watched him play, and it's like, Okay. I think it's a bit of both. Like, watching him play that preseason game in Lucan, which, again, like, be careful what you take stuff from. But, like, he can move the puck. He's big. He moves okay. He seems to process the game pretty good. Like, there was a play that I, I noted, and I'm, um, like, Duchesne was forechecking, and someone made a pass to again out behind the net, like a really quick pass where he didn't have a ton of time to make a play because Duchesne was, like, right on him. And he just calmly caught, caught, caught the puck. And then made a quick pass and got it out. And it was like one of those plays like where you're looking to see how he kind of handles pressure and how he handles an NHL player, and he handled it fine. Um, so and, the and the other thing is like Babcock obviously has talked him up, and he's played with the guys who are going to be on the team. Like he started that game with Dermott. Um, anyway, yeah, go ahead. The tough thing with guys like Ojeganov is that we don't have a lot of body of work as reporters to like – like we don't – He's, like, kind of a little bit unknown. I mean, I know KHL isn't, like, a league we can't watch and whatever, but one of the things, like, we look at is, like, well, he didn't play a lot with the KHL team he was with. Marchenko, who couldn't stick in the NHL, like, had more points than he did, and, like, that probably means nothing. Um, But what I wonder is if maybe the Leafs scouting staff is trying to really identify the things you're talking about, which don't show up on a score sheet, which might not necessarily in a place like the KHL get you a lot of minutes. Maybe that's not, maybe they're looking for different things. I mean, it's a different league. It's a different style of play. Maybe what works in the NHL is a guy that can just like, as you said, process things fast and move the puck and Mm -hmm. the rest of it. And that's kind of why what I've liked about Callie Rosen and what I liked about him with the Marlies is that he can, he, his vision and his passing is, kind of next level and we saw it on that goal um that um Bracco scored in in the game um I wonder if like the real utility of a defenseman is getting guys that can make those little plays and Mm -hmm. mostly the way you find those guys is good scouting well and like if you're a scout you shouldn't just be watching how much team x uses that player because like maybe they undervalue that player maybe they're looking at that guy and they don't like you said they don't appreciate some of the things that you think are assets like that happens all the time and like that was i think the big takeaway from vegas i remember talking to connor carrick about that in the summer like one of the things that he really was inspired from is vegas has kind of forced teams or conceivably to like look at their organizations look at their players and make sure that you know that that guy isn't good before you get rid of him. Like, make sure you give him a chance. But, like, speaking of Carrick, like, it's going to be interesting to see what Ozhiganov means for him in the short term. Because if he's on that third pair, he's kind of back in the situation he was before with Polak. 
What we saw last year was that they auditioned some newer defensemen like Borgman and, and Rosen a little bit. And yeah. I think that early... Babcock kind of treats the first month of the regular season as like an extension of preseason and training camp in the way that he's yeah. more willing to experiment with some guys, especially with like requiring waivers for some guys and things like that. So, you know, I think he's going to carry AD. Um, I mean, I think I don't think Dermot's hurt that badly, but that could be one of those situations where maybe they drag that injury out a little bit so they can keep more players on the roster or whatever. Um, but I think that the roster that they use on opening night isn't necessarily the roster on November 1st and December 1st and January 1st. And they're going to... And the other thing, too, that I was going to say about that is that, I mean, they're basically guaranteed to make the playoffs. Not only is it a very talented team, but their division is complete crap on the bottom end. Um, so, like, they have room to experiment and try some of these guys. Like, there's there's literally no... what There's no argument against giving Ojeganov a little bit of a chance. Yeah. And they probably... Well, Ojeganov doesn't require waivers to go down because he's on an entry-level deal, whereas Justin Hall does. It doesn't feel like Justin Hall is going to be the guy. No. And that's like another situation where... I don't know. No, I feel he's like, probably not going to claim him. Probably not. No, like he's 27. Um, he Like if he was going to get a shot, why wouldn't he have gotten a shot last year? Like it's... it's I don't know. It seems he like... He got two shots and they both went in. Yes, and then he didn't play again with the Leafs the rest of the year. Like, and they could, like, they what had. If, a, if I'm Babcock, I'm like, what if he has a third shot and it goes in? <laughs> Maybe he just scores every time he shoots the puck. Maybe his career shooting percentage is going to be like in the high 80s. Yeah, unfortunately, I I just don't see it right now. But like that can change. But like to your point, um, it does feel like they're going to keep eight defensemen. Like it doesn't feel like there's a Rosen world. Rosen and Ojeganov. Yeah, it doesn't feel like there's a world where they keep. 14 forwards like I don't think there are like obviously Neilander changes that picture if he doesn't sign by then but even then I still think it's 13 yeah so if it's not Hall which we doesn't Hall's playing with um he's playing with Borgman and it doesn't look like Borgman's in the picture right now either I mean Borgman's more of a straight line player who's like physical and but not as he's okay with the puck but not as good as as Rosen and well and his year of development was really hurt last year because he got hurt and, like, he got the half year with the Leafs, and then he went down to the Marlies, and I don't know that it went great at first. I, I can't remember. I think that was a thing. And then he got hurt in the playoffs. And, like, so his develop- he's also younger. Like, he's younger than Rosen. He's younger than Ganov, He's younger than Hall. He's younger than all those guys. So one of the things with guys like that is that it's interesting listening to I- – I went to the, um, the, the rookie tournament, some of the availabilities, and talked to Sheldon Keefe a little bit, and – he was talking about how with Lilgren last year, they didn't play him in games and they just had him work out with like the development staff on things. Hmm. So like a guy like Borgman that's young, that's a bit of a project, but has some really good tools, incredibly strong, good skater. You could just put him with the development staff and like, we're not going to throw you on a bus trip to play yeah. with the Marlies like 60 games. Like just like get better at these three things and then you're going to be something for the Leafs. Yeah. So it almost makes more sense for Borgman just to live down there Hang out with Scott Pellerin and Belfry. And play a shit ton, right? Yeah. Like, you can see, like, their top four shaking out exactly as we've seen it. Like, Borgman, Hall, Marinchin, Lilligren. That makes sense. Yeah, because they sent that Lindgren back to Finland. Yeah. They got a lot of D. I mean, they got Nielsen. They got Loverde. Loverde? Loverde. And Loverde. 
I'm not good at pronunciations. I think you're like Don Cherry. Having having a podcast has exposed the fact that I know how to spell everyone's name. Jordan really Subban, well. you can say that name. Jordan Subban. Anyone else? Is that it? Yeah, that's basically it. So I, one of the plans they've got is that for Timothy Logren to play a lot more minutes. He's going to do PK. He's going to do PP. Um, Sorry, we have to get off this topic. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, we. So we. One of the things we wanted to talk to you before talk about before we finish, we'll do more Marley's talk at a later date. But we need to talk about the power play stuff that we've kind of slowly gathered some tea leaves on. What about some growlers talk? The new well at training camp. Did you see Babcock mention that training camp next year at Newfoundland? You and I are gonna. Woo! You and I got to arm wrestle over who gets to go. Oh, great question. I've never been. Have you been to Newfoundland? I'll go. No, I've been to PEI. I've been to Nova Scotia. Uh, I have not been to Newfoundland. But I would like to go. Oh, your parking is expiring soon. Isn't that parking app amazing? It's just so good. Remember back in the day, like, when SDA wasn't born and, like, you had to go and take change down and, and go and pay your, your parking meter? That's that's a plus of modern technology. Anyway, so the power play stuff, what we've kind of learned the last couple of days. Best podcast ever. <laughs> so what we've kind of learned the last couple of days is... Drinking Math- beer and paying for parking. Well, you're drinking a Diet Coke because I don't have any cider. Um, their first power play is going to have Matthews, Tavares, Marner, Riley, and presumably Kadri. Um, so they're just going to play a minute 45 every power play? Did that surprise you that this is like how they chose to do it? No. Um, Austin Matthews, I think, made it very clear he wants to be on the top power play unit. Don't you think? I mean, I think that that's a big influence on this. He does not want to be like... Well, Austin Matthews is wired to like... He wants to be like the guy. He doesn't want to like be a passenger in any sense. Well, and he would have... From what I gather from talking to him, he would have understood last year why it was the way it was. That first power play was awesome, was scoring a lot. From talking to him, one of the things he said was he didn't really like that they didn't change anything to their unit. Um, like, What were that, they going to do, though? Well, like maybe tactically do something different. They did do some tactically different things. Like they switched him and Neander, switched their sides at, at certain points. But like he suggested that he would have liked them to try something different. Okay. Um, but now, like, you think of how that power play is going to look, and, like, Marner will con- conceivably start with the puck. And it's like, if you're defending that, I don't know what you do because you've got Tavares down by the goal, you've got Kadri in the middle, and then you've got Matthews on the other side. You can't shade to anyone. Like, you've got to be careful of everything. It's interesting the dynamic of having, like, Matthews just turned 21 a few days ago. The dynamic of a superstar like that who's so good and also strong-willed and, like, he can kind of exert his will a little bit like and just say like I think at the very least you owe it to Matthews to try this yeah and the thing that Matthews said who also by the way uh, you super appreciate his honesty um, the thing that he said is that you look around the league and Washington stacks their top power play unit Pittsburgh stacks their top power play unit I can't remember what other teams he mentioned but you know he understands what's happening around the league and he looks at the, the options that they've got and he thinks yeah, we had a 24% conversion rate with JVR, Bozak, whatever, whatever on the power play. But you get me and Tavares and Marner together, we can be even... I'm sure he believes this. We can be even better than that. 
why can't they be, right? Like, you're basically taking Van Riemsdyk and making it Tavares. Van Riemsdyk's really good around the net. Tavares is better. And then instead of Bozak, now you have the shot of Matthews as a threat on the other side. Like, I... The other thing is, like, what does the second power play end up looking like? It's almost like now you can build your second power play around Nylander. Yes. And around his shot. That's what it'll be. And he, it'll be he will probably be the center on that on that unit. Right. Like, it will be Nylander, Janssen, Brown, I guess. Marlowe. Marlowe and, and Gardner. Something like that. Which is good. Or Ennis, maybe he gets in there instead yeah, of Brown. Yeah, Ennis is a good power play player. Yeah. Which isn't bad, for, which is pretty good for a second power play. Um, but I think that that first unit's going to play a minute and a half, right? So, like, the second unit, it's kind of like, whatever. I mean, the, there are some complications with this. All three of your top centers are on that one unit. Which means the shift after the power play. Is Parland home time. Yeah. That's Par- when he's Par- going to get one of his eight minutes. Parland home's time to shine. So one thing I don't totally buy, uh, and I think you've mentioned it, I don't buy that... I think the fourth line center is going to play right around what he did last year. I don't think it's going to be that dramatically different. Maybe it's like a minute less. I still think well, he'll the play. Fourth line didn't play that much last year. No, but it, Dominic Moore still played, and, and this includes PK time. He still played around ten minutes a game. Um, like Bozak averaged, I think fifteen minutes. Kadri averaged sixteen. Matthews averaged seventeen and a half or something like that. Now I could see it being Tavares averages eighteen. Matthews averages seventeen, eighteen, and Kadri averages sixteen. Right, like I don't think it's going to so be that dramatic. Eight minutes left. Right, so that's what I think it'll end and up. And like being. three of it or two and a half will be PK. So like that fourth, we were talking about the makeup of the third and fourth lines. Like, I don't want Janssen and Kapanen on that fourth line because it's at even strength. It's going to play like five minutes. I, I think Kapanen is should be on that. I don't fourth want line. both of them to like sit there no. waiting for Parland home time. Janssen is going to play ahead of Venice. Like, I don't... It's Farlindom time! Is that... No, that's not how he talks. It is not. Okay. There are a lot of Swedes on this camp. Which is great, because Swedes are generally pretty nice to yeah. talk to. They just talk about Ikea and meatballs all the time. Yes, that's not a... And just like Canadians, we only talk about maple syrup and beavers all the time, right? I have like nine Ikea meatball stories ready to go on all of the Swedes. I don't know why. I don't know what's happening today. I think I think it's Friday and I'm tired. Okay, I think the podcast has reached its its end. It's it's zenith. It's zenith. <laughs> it's crescendoing. All right, so we will be back with a I podcast. Some shout-outs, Jonas. Oh yeah, for our. It's actually Patreon, not Patreon, okay. right? Patreon. We have a buddy who works at Patreon. Yeah, Ted Lee. Okay, so we started a Patreon for the podcast. This is optional. We're not going to push it. Just at the end of the podcast, we're going to talk about it. Um, if people contribute to the Patreon, Patreon, Patreon. If people contribute to the Patreon, uh, we get we give them a shout out on here. So you got to listen to this. Jacob Reed, Left Coast Leafs podcast. Justin Ogino, Chris Bushkeys, Tyler O'Meara, Ted Lee, Jeremy Snyder, Jeff Loughton, and Lubomir Braddock all contributed to the Patreon in the last couple of weeks. So that is, we were not expecting that. So thanks very much. Indeed, thank you. And we will be back, I don't know which day next week. They play the Habs a couple times, the Wings a couple times. We have the live, we have the athletic event on Thursday, and then I'm in Ottawa on Friday. So next week's podcast is going to be... Tuesday. Yeah, it's going to be early in the week. So Okay, so stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening. And thank you to 
the Saki Hall of Fame and our boys at Bab Socks and the Saki Hall of Fame. Check out the new socks. They look pretty cool. There's some players who you and I kind of grew up rooting for, so it's cool to see them. Thanks for listening. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.